everybody! Welcome to Atomic Monsoon, the Maelstrom pop culture discussion, nerd, geek, recap, movie, comic book, talk, podcast, show. I am not Ray Stacanis. I am not Robert Clark Chan. I'm Gina Ippolito. Atomic Monsoon. Welcome to the Monsoon. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to Atomic Monsoon. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, we have a wonderful guest host with us today, uh, Gina Ippolito, of um, a lot of things. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Well, Gina, you, uh, you, you, you've written TV shows, you've written comics, you're, you're a co-host of a podcast. Uh, yeah, including knowing is half the podcast, which is uh, uh, where I know yeah. you from. Yay! Uh, Yay! <laughs> I'm um, a triple threat in the world of podcasting, writing, and noveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a trifecta of sorts. Oh, I like it. <laughs> um. So Gina, I I found uh, Knowing's Half the podcast because my buddy Calder Holbrook uh, that I went to college or went to high school with rather um, guest starred on an episode randomly back in your first season. Yes, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, these these guys are pretty funny. I guess I could keep listening, and then I did, and then you guys kept having us post things about the show on social media, so I did, and then <laughs> you guys all wanted to be my friend. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then three years later, you you regret every decision you've made since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I feel like that's a common thread with you, Andy. What's that? <laughs> People want to be your friend, and then you later regret that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not entirely wrong. No, uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, but yeah, no, Gina, you during the course of knowing us half the podcast over the the like four years I've been listening now. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, congratulations on four years of a podcast about GI Joe. Thank you. I try not to think about how long it's been and what else I could have spent my time doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're entertaining people, right? Which sounds yeah. like was the goal in life anyways. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kidding. I have no regrets. Oh, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, over the four years uh, uh, that I've been listening to you, you, you have uh, gone from not really working to having too much work to moving to New York for a while to moving back to L.A. to, to everything. So uh, who are you and where are you from? Oh, all right. Well, I am <laughs> Gina, as we established, and I'm originally from Booton Township, New Jersey, which is a very, very small town in New Jersey. If anyone is familiar with townships in New Jersey, they are basically too small to be called towns. And there's always a, a town next to it that's that has the actual name. So I live next to Booton, New Jersey, and we are called Booton Township, New Jersey. We only have a volunteer fire department and nothing else in the town. <laughs> Literally a Main Street town. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Those are fun little things. You get those across America. Something kind of unique to America, too, is those little yeah. tiny, tiny towns yeah. like that. Yeah. It's very, it's very like uh, Main Street in Disneyland-esque. Yeah. Very much so. Very, very much so. <laughs> I, uh, I I grew up in big cities, so I, I can't quite relate to that. Uh, yeah. I, I grew oh. up in the Arizona version of South Park, so. 
<laughs> oh, okay. All right. Three very different three very different people and places, but yes. we're all podcasting now. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and I did grow up on the East Coast, it's so that's, world. you know. Wait, don't get sued for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so in Booton Township, uh, uh-huh. you decided to move to Hollywood? Yeah, so I, I went to college. I actually started, I went to Rutgers for two years, which is a New Jersey college, yeah. and then transferred to Penn State. I visited my friend at Penn State and thought, this is way cooler than, than Rutgers is. <laughs> uh, so I transferred. And then after I graduated, I basically, I I, what, I had been a theater, a double major in theater and communications when I was at Rutgers. And then when I went to Penn State, I switched to media studies in television and film okay. and a minor in theater. So basically the only the only place where those degrees aren't totally useless is Los Angeles. Right. <laughs> uh, so I pretty much just packed up a, U- a U-Haul after I was done at college and drove out. I had three days to basically find an apartment, buy a car and return the U-Haul. So <laughs> I had to I had to do it very quickly. But yeah, so I, I drove across the U.S., found an apartment in West Hollywood and then realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good start to a, a, a life journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and one, yeah, once you get I, a little older and hear talk to more people, everybody did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, I would say a lot of them still have no idea what they're doing. Sometimes yeah. I have an, some idea what I'm doing. Other times I still don't. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of comfort when I started feeling, realizing that everybody else had no idea either. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, I am always weary to ask anyone about their age, but how old were you when you decided to just pack up and move across the country? Uh, it was it was literally right after college, so I think I was twenty one or twenty two. Okay, so pretty young. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I didn't know anyone. I think the closest person I knew in the entire state of California was in San Francisco, uh, and I didn't really know them. I, I had met them a couple of times, and that was that was sort of it. So I didn't know anyone. Didn't have a job. Didn't have a cell phone, which in hindsight is was very <laughs> stupid to drive cross country with and then try and find an apartment without a cell phone. <laughs> I think I got one like 10 days after moving to LA or something when I realized I needed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and 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 based on, you know, what I'm guessing about that was, uh mm-hmm. it, that was probably the time where not everyone had cell phones all the time anyways, right? Like that was still yeah, fairly yeah, a new I, thing. Yeah, I think my like all of my roommates, all of my housemates in college all had them, but I I didn't really, you know, like when you're at college, you sort of just know everyone you're talking to and you have a landline and you have a computer. So I didn't need one. And then I, right. I didn't think, Oh, I should get one before going to Los Angeles. It just seemed like something I would take care of eventually. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I mean, for myself, I didn't have a cell phone until I moved out of my parents' house. Uh, mm-hmm, Cause mm-hmm. It, it was like, well, yeah, I, I'm at home. I have a landline. If someone needs to get in touch with me, they can call my yeah. house. And if I'm not home, then, Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, so was it was it culture shock getting over to California from the East Coast? Uh, you know what? Not really. I kind of immediately liked it. Uh, uh, it was. I just thought. I, I. I mean, I think I was just an idiot at the time and just thought, "Wow, <laughs> this is so cool." <laughs> uh, uh, and and luckily, my parents had made me visit for a few days before I I moved out. They said, "What if you get out there and you hate it?" So. 
They said, okay. you know, go, go out and just sort of see a few things. Uh, uh, so I did that for a few days, a couple months before moving out and was still was still on board. And I ended up moving to West Hollywood, which is safe and gorgeous and, and everything. So I thought like, oh, this is so cool. And it was very exciting to sort of uh, to not know anyone and not have any obligations and and, you know, not not have anything to really do and just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. be be dicking around if i may say that you you may yes yeah <laughs> okay yeah, we're 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 a, a loose pg on here so all right great yeah, great yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> um okay so so early 20s in yep. la for mm-hmm. the first time kind of dicking around as you say uh mm-hmm. how long before the money starts running out i mean i figured i i had about a month before I needed to really, really start looking for something. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> and, and I mean, like, you know, I, I still had, I still had a little bit of a buffer, but, okay. but I think that was when I was thinking, okay, well, if like I can sort of get acclimated and get everything that I need to do done. And mm-hmm. then, and of course, like I was under the impression that like, when you start looking for a job, you get a job. Right. So I was like, okay, in a month I'll, I'll, like apply for a job and then get that job and then have a job the next day. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so yeah. So I sort of gave myself a month to, to just explore and, and, you know, meet new people and, and sort of go around. And then, and then I just started signing up for temp agencies. Uh, so I actually okay. did, I actually was able to get jobs very quickly. Um, I, I sort of realized that not, I guess not a lot of people who move to LA and then sign up for sign up with a bunch of temp agencies are coming from college. A lot of them are coming from high school. Oh, okay. uh, so I was able to just get sort jobs sort of immediately and, and knew how to type and, and sort of all that, that basic stuff that they, they wanted. So luckily I, I, started getting just a, like a random job every three days that would last for three days. And then I would move on to whatever the next place that they sent me would be. Okay. Okay. So that's Rough, mm-hmm. but it's a way to make a living. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I thought it was cool cause I didn't get bored of the places, you know, yeah, I would, I would long sort of... enough to get upset about the way anything <laughs> works or did it. You know, yeah, just... exactly. Exactly. I was like, all right, change of scenery each time. And since I was still getting to know the city, going to different parts of the city and being like, Oh, this is interesting. What's this oh, yeah. Santa Monica all about? <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, so that was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool, you know, like it wasn't, it could have gone way worse. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> I, um, I, I once quit a job with six months worth of bills in my savings account ready to go and didn't yeah. find a job for about nine months. So, oh, man. Yeah. You could have made a baby in that time. I, <laughs> I could have. Thankfully, I didn't because, <laughs> boy, I would have been in much more dire straits had I, uh, yeah, you, if I suddenly you made had the a right kid. Choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so how long did the temp agency thing go on? Uh, it You know, it sort of went on you know like at some point i got a job somewhere that they they kept me on a long time it was for you know like i mean for a temp job it it lasted like three or four months or something sure uh and i was a receptionist at like a party planning place okay and uh and they and you know they sort of just offered me a full-time job and that was when i was like well it's time to move on uh because i knew that was not (laughs) 
what I wanted to do. I did, I did not want to, you know, uh, move up in the ranks of the party planning <laughs> business. That's uh, fair. So, yeah. yeah. So, so I said, Oh, you know, thanks, but I, I think I'm, I think I'm good. And then I got a couple of other jobs where they also sort of offered me the position full time and I, and I turned them down. Uh, and, and, you know, just through that and through sort of knowing people, I, I started to get other odd jobs. I did marketing research for a car company because I, I ended up taking an acting class and someone in the acting class said, oh, you know, like I do, I do marketing research for car companies. You just ask people how they like their, their car and what do they think of the design of this new car? And, and, uh, so I got a job through that and then just kept meeting new people who kept sort of saying, do you want to do this job here? Do you want to do that job here? <laughs> And so then I, I eventually sort of started transcribing for reality shows. I was a transcriber for the Dr. Phil show and a bunch of other like Top Chef and Project Runway. Okay. And and that was when I sort of realized, oh, this is this is a good job to have if you want to have free time to do other stuff because, you know, they were paying minimum wage and they have a bunch of transcribers and you could basically come in or not come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and occasionally you could work from home and transcribe from home. So that was the point where I was like, okay, I think this is the sort of job that I need to keep Mm -hmm. until I'm doing what I want to, because it's the most flexible thing that I've found. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew I didn't want to wait tables or anything like that. So, so short of being like a server, I think that it was, it ended up sort of being the most flexible thing that, Mm -hmm. I knew if I got a writing job or an acting job or something, I could take off for three days and then come back three days later and still have that transcribing job and no one would bat an eyelash. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, I mean, this is, these are days pre driving like rideshare stuff. Right. So, but yeah, right. Yeah. So kind of, I mean, kind of an early gig economy thing. Like, yeah, you come and transcribe a couple shows and then not if you, yeah, like if you got a, a gig doing something else. Yeah, show yeah, can, you exactly. can show up and be at work. You can be if you need to, but otherwise you can go out and. Yeah, exactly, do your own and thing. and a lot of places like at Doctor Phil, they had transcribers there like twenty four hours. So if I wanted to, I could go in at two a.m. and do stuff. Okay. And, and so yeah, it was very. It was it was definitely a sort of like set your own schedule. The pay is crap, but this is sort of the trade off here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's that's not a bad trade, really. Yeah. Pay your bills. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think so. Yeah. Uh, and I and I had a lot of people since then sort of say, like, how do I do that? Like, how do I? And, <laughs> and also I was sort of I sort of fooled myself into thinking, well, I'm on the Paramount lot at working at Dr. Phil. So I'm, <laughs> I'm almost in TV. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, okay, so you said you were doing doing the transcribing until you got to, you know, get a job doing the things you wanted to do. Why did you move to Hollywood? I mean, obviously to work in TV and movies, but, like, was there something yeah. specific you, you moved out for? Yeah, I originally wanted to act, and then sort of there, and so I, I came out to act and sort of took an acting class and realized, oh, this is not, I can't stand this. <laughs> uh, uh, like I, I liked acting when I was acting in plays and musicals at home, like with my friends, but being in an acting class where there's some sort of, where there's like some, uh, LA blowhard just saying like, Oh, look into each other's eyes until you cry. And I was like, Oh, I hate this a lot. 
uh, uh, and so <laughs> I sort reasonable. of realized I wasn't really cut out for it. I did book like a couple of a couple of commercials here and there and managed to get in SAG, but those okay. were all those were all things that um, you know I, I at some point someone at Dr. Phil said, "Oh, you you want to act like you should you should take a couple of improv classes at UCB Upright Citizens Brigade." Okay. And I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And, and I loved it. And I, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm much better at this than I am at looking deeply into someone's eyes and crying. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm much better at emotion, emotionally distancing myself and then making a joke. Uh, so, so I did that and I sort of went through the whole program at UCB and then, and then the commercials that I booked were, the only ones that I were, was booking were ones where they were like, Hey, improvise the lines a little bit. And mm. so I, I did, but when it was, when it was, Hey, stay on script and, and look into someone's eyes and cry. I was not. booking it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I managed to book a couple of things and, and was still completely broke was still transcribing, occasionally doing those marketing research jobs, which, you know, they, there might be two a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sort of every other odd job under the sun that, that would come my way. Uh, you know, I was, a I was, a an assistant to a casting director for one day. I was a PA on something <laughs> for one day, basically anytime anyone would say, Hey, can anyone come and do this random thing? I would say I can, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I was, I was a baby wrangler on, uh, on the set of a, a short, like, digital video that was babies recreating robocop what uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah oh, a buddy of mine, yeah we're like wait hold on where, where can we find the yeah. babies recreating robocop that's that's yeah, fantastic so a few years ago a few years ago this was this was there was something called channel 101 which is still a thing but it, it was basically just a lot of content producers producing content before there were all these other sort of digital spaces to put it. Sure. And a buddy of mine was taking part in sort of an experiment, weird thing, which was, you know, different directors and writers and comedians each took sort of a three to five minute chunk of RoboCop and recreated it in some way. So parts of it are animated parts of it are, are, you know, just like with, with dolls and he chose to do it with babies. Uh, uh, and it's the scene where, like, you know, RoboCop is getting threatened and then he gets kneecapped with a, with a baton. So we had, like, mini baby batons taped to babies' hands and, and we were making them kneecap other babies. And, oh, I have to and, find this now. <laughs> and I was sort of the one dressed all in black and, and holding the babies like my hands are just sort of out of frame and, and I'm the one that's making the babies kneecap the other baby. <laughs> all of their parents were on set, by the way. So okay. this is all this okay. is before I get angry, angry letters from anyone. Still, their though, parents okayed this. That's a they wonderful were, thing to be able to put on a resume. <laughs> yeah. Responsible yeah, for knee- yeah, babies kneecapping other babies. Yeah, it's on my IMDb page. It's called Our RoboCop Remake. So if you go to my IMDb page, you can find it there. Oh, and that is amazing. I can't remember. I think there's probably like 30 or 40 different chunks of RoboCop reenacted with X. <laughs> well, That's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm going to have to deep dive and find that this yeah, weekend. Yeah, like all of my plans got canceled this weekend because COVID-19 is <laughs> running rampant. So yeah. I got nothing to do. Yeah. So I'm 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 looking for that now. 
Yeah, I, you have to be able to find it somewhere, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> boy, talk about derailing a conversation. <laughs> um, okay, so after making babies beat each other up, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> more more random odd jobs and stuff. Um, yeah, there yeah. Was something... I, I, I did at some point drive for Lyft and Uber. I think I gave like four rides before I realized it was terrible and creepy and and wasn't wasn't into it. But I went through the whole process of signing up and thinking, oh, this is this will be great. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I pretty much did everything. <laughs> I yeah, I um, my brother drove for Lyft for a while and I mm-hmm. ride public. I, I don't own a car, so I ride public transportation everywhere. And if I miss a bus uh-huh. like in Phoenix here, it's a half hour between the next bus coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I have had to take a lot of rideshare stuff, right? The the lifts and the Ubers and stuff. And and uh-huh. um, to their credit, the vast majority of the drivers that I've had have been like very perfectly normal people, right? Right. Like right, a lot yeah. of them have a really good sense of humor. Some of them are a little like you know, okay, our senses of humor don't match, but I can still tell like, okay, this is like a good person. It's just we're not ever going to be friends, and that's right. fine, right? Um, but yeah. I, I have had a couple drivers where it's just like, okay, like this is your first week and I can tell you're not cut out for this and you won't be here uh, yeah. uh, in a couple weeks. And there's some people who are like, how did you pass the screening process? Yeah, yeah. It was it was originally I thought this is perfect because I can work when I want to so I can do some transcription and then I can give some rides and I can I can do this and mm-hmm, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds and... great. And, you know, I went to get trained and they, I got trained by like an existing driver Okay. and, and he hit on me and then I gave Oof. five rides once I like, you know, passed all the exam, the tests and, and whatever the, the minimal screening process that they had at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and of the five people I gave rides to, three of them hit on me and the only two that didn't were both women. So I was like, this oh. is not for me yeah not for yeah. me sir yeah uh for the record i have never hit on any of my oh, rideshare good. drivers because <laughs> that's really like I, I would be uncomfortable doing that right hey yeah, you're kind yeah. enough to give me a ride if i start acting weird and creepy like that you're all just gonna leave me on the side of the freeway like, yeah and it's also like if you are gonna which no one ever should but at the very least wait until the end of the ride because if yeah. you ask at the beginning of the ride that's a real uncomfortable half hour that you yeah. set yourself up for yeah oh boy <laughs> <sighs> oh talking about awkward car rides oh man i can't even imagine <laughs> Uh, uh, I, yeah, but I, there the, was, I, I pretty much did everything. I, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I consider it a successful ride if people leave me alone. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so I did that for five rides. I also, I taught chess for a nonprofit for a little while. Oh, that's right. You I and, taught chess for my, you and your brother are like, what? uh, chess prodigies, right? Yeah. So my brother owns his own instruction company in New Jersey. Uh, and then I was the New Jersey junior women's chess champion. When I was Josh, 17. Josh's that, brain just exploded. That, that's a <laughs> random fact out of nowhere. Like, uh, I mean, better or worse. I just had a Wile E. Coyote moment. Like, uh, Acme <laughs> Anvil just straight fell out of the roof and hit me on the head here. Like, that would. Okay. That, you just glossed over. Oh, yeah, you guys are just prodigies. What do you Wait, what now? Right. So this this comes. Uh, this is again me listening to her show for four years. I, yeah, yeah. I walked right? in. Oh yeah, my friend wrote a comic book. Check this out. <laughs> oh wait, she does a okay. Okay, you've talked about this podcast. Okay, I didn't realize we were talking. 
Writing TV shows? You're a chess prodigy? Okay, now I need to know more about this. <laughs> I, I swear I've mentioned at least half of this stuff this week. <laughs> Not In <context>. fairness. <laughs> it, 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 okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay, so chess prodigy. How, what? <laughs> Uh, to Porque? be fair, my brother is more is is the prodigy. I just I was I was decent. Uh, but my parents are both teachers, and my dad. One of the things my dad taught was chess, and and he had sort of read up on how chess helps developing brains and it helps kids focus and all of all of sort of the positive aspects of it. So when we were two and a half, he started to teach us to play, and I played my first tournament when I was five. Uh, I think I lost every <laughs> single game. My brother, I think, won every single game, uh, uh, and he was—he was very clearly, very early on, a, a prodigy. I sort of would go to the tournament, win some games, and lose some games, and then be like, "What are we doing now? Can we go get food?" Uh, so, <laughs> like so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yes, I grew up playing chess, and those were our those were the vac- the family vacations we took every summer when my parents had off from from teaching were wherever sort of the U.S. Open of chess was being held that year, we would drive to that place and then and then stay a couple days after the tournament and do whatever whatever was there. So when I was seven, we got to go to Disney World because the, the U.S. Chess Open was in Florida that year. So my parents said, well, we'll go play in the tournament for a week and then stay an extra five days and go to Disney. Disney. That's impressive. Uh, so, yes. This, this meanwhile, was my, my dumbass was sitting there getting frustrated that my wizard kept getting eaten by the rock monster in Battle <laughs> yeah. Chess on Microsoft. So I, yeah, that's that's impressive. Oh, it was that's such cool. A good game. It was such a cool, cool game. Wow, uh, that, that, that's impressive though. You guys did that as as kids. That's I mean, super yeah, impressive for your brother yeah. being that good at it. But just you as well, like that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And now my brother is an international master. And when I wow. when I moved out to California, I thought, oh, well, this is like this is something that I know I can do. So I saw I happened to see I don't know where I saw it. I don't know if Craigslist was a thing or if I saw some listing in some random newspaper uh, for they were there was a nonprofit looking for a chess instructor. And I taught for them for for a couple semesters. And then I quickly sort of realized, oh, chess is not as big a thing on the west coast as it is on the east coast hmm, uh i have no idea why but it's not it doesn't have nearly the the following out here that it does out there so eventually the the company uh sort of went under and oh. and then you know i think i did some private lessons here and there but but that was sort of the end of that odd venture that i also did <laughs> you know that is a good point I, I never thought about the fact that east coast you see like chess set areas in parks yeah, you see that yeah. On the west coast it's true yeah yeah and my dad used to take us into new york to there's a big chess club in new york uh uh that that my my writing partner and i ended up writing a pilot about because you know it was just such a weird sort of environment but every weekend we would go into new york and, and play at this chess club and i don't as far as i know i have not found anything as big like that on the west coast in all the years that i've lived here so yeah hmm no yeah. Hellfire Club on the West Coast. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. So I'm sorry to deal with the conversation like that. I just, you know, got hit with that no, anvil. I'm and didn't at you. I'm throwing yeah, like... at you. I'm throwing weird guys asking me out for lift. I'm throwing chest prodigies. <laughs> That, that's that's neat though. It sounds like you've had a, a, a quite an interesting life. So what? <laughs> this where, is why I wanted her on yeah, the show. Yeah. Where where did <laughs> where did this lead you to? After 
driving around and getting hit it on lift. Where did you go after that? Yeah. So, so I, this is, you know, I think I was still sort of doing lift after I, after I started getting writing jobs, but while I was at UCB, I sort of, you know, I took all the classes and then, and then really wanted to get on a team there. Cause, cause it was back when UCB was a little bit smaller and the people that were all on teams seemed to all be like, have these wonderful careers and be booking things and, and, and writing on shows. And so I applied to be an intern, an unpaid intern at UCB and did that for a little over a year and and sort of finally got on one of their house sketch teams uh, as a writer. Because after I went through the improv program, I took their sketch writing program because I had these free intern credits and I figured, oh, what the hell, I'll try I'll try comedy writing. Uh, <laughs> might as well, since I have some free credits uh, and then sort of just took to it more than, more than acting and thought, Oh, I, I might not be terrible at this thing. And I don't have to look anyone in the eye and cry. I can isolate myself <laughs> in my apartment if I want to. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I remember there was, there were, I, I tried once and didn't get on a team, but, but, you know, was told I was, I came close to it. And the next year I, I auditioned to be on a sketch team as an actor Mm-hmm. And I submitted a writing packet to be a writer and you could be either or, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't be both. They separate sort of the writers and the actors. They want everyone to sort of master their craft okay. there. That's fair. That's reasonable. And I got placed on a team as a writer and that was sort of what solidified it for me that, oh, I'm, I am a writer. I am not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so who knows where I would be now if I had gotten on a team as an actor, uh, uh, probably sad. I would probably be sad oh. and not, not booking things. <laughs> uh, but I got on as a writer and then started writing sketches and, and loved it. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, think that at some point UCB sent an email saying, Hey, there's this to all of its writers saying, Hey, there's this guy looking for writers, go to this building. Hopefully he won't murder you. Uh, (laughs) So, so I went to this building and and met this guy who it was sort of in, in the earlier days of digital content before anyone had figured out what was going on. And he was saying, Oh, we need like people to pitch a bunch of comedy sketches and then we will, we will film them and put them on this website that no longer exists now. Uh, oh. <laughs> and so they, they put a writer's room together basically. And they paid us $125 a day for, I think it was three days. And okay. I was like, Oh my God, I got a writing job. Uh, <laughs> I, I was so it. excited. And it was just a, a, a bunch of comedians. Some, some people I knew from UCB, some, some I didn't uh, just pitching sketch ideas for, you know, a few hours a day. And I was like, this is awesome. Is this what writing is? This is great. Uh, so that was the, that was the first job I got. That was probably in, um, maybe 2011. Okay. And then I think I didn't get anything else for another year or so. Uh, and, and one of the women that I was in that writer's room with, she was also a UCB person. I had known her from sort of around, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and she was also friends with the, the guy who I was the baby wrangler for his video. So we would all sort of run into each other every now and then. And and at some point she got a, she was a, she was a, a writer performer and she got a hosting gig on a Hulu show back before Hulu was really a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was a show sort of like, sort of like the soup it was a recap show and and they would have different comedians it was her 
uh, Allison Hayslip, who who sort of everyone in nerd culture knows her, um, and just a bunch of sort of up and coming coming comedians, uh, comedian hosts. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Hey, they're looking for writers to, at this at this job that I just got. Do you want me to put your name in?" And I said, "Sure." I don't think I had any like writing samples, but she said, "Okay, they just wanna they just want you to go and and just talk to this guy who's sort of putting the room together." Uh, and he sort of looked bored and it was clear that he had interviewed several other people before me. And he was like, all right, tell me like what, tell me what TV shows you watch. And then two hours later, he was like, we were deep in, in some nerddom about like (laughs) conspiracy theories from all these TV shows that I watched and this and that. And he was like, I think you got the job. You watch way too much TV. (laughs) And that's exactly (laughs) what we need for a TV recap show. Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of the second the second writing job that I got. Uh, and that one luckily lasted a few months and sort of was a good like resume builder. And uh, the woman who who, you know, I, I became friends with who was the host is now the uh, co-writer of my graphic novel, Haley Mancini. Aha. <laughs> All right. I, I had a feeling it might have been her when you weren't saying her name. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pause the 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 journey because uh, I want to make sure we have time to get everything in. Let's talk about your graphic novel, uh-huh. Babe Squad. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So in 2015, Haley and I were both writers on different Cartoon Network shows. So she was okay. the head writer on the Powerpuff Girls reboot, and I was writing on regular show. Okay. Uh, okay. And. And Cartoon Network is an amazing, awesome place to work. And one of the things that they have is an open door policy. If any, if anyone wants to pitch anything, if any writers want to pitch a show, if any storyboard artists want to pitch a show, you just set up a meeting and go. That's uh, cool. So Haley, Haley and I realized, oh, this would be totally like wasted opportunity if we didn't pitch something mm-hmm. to them. And at the time they were sort of looking for, they, they had partnered with TBS and were looking for more adult content. Okay. Uh, uh, so we decided to pitch an adult show instead of a kid's show. And we just sort of, Haley and I have, have been on an improv team together for, for 10 years at the time. It was probably something, you know, like six or seven years. Okay. So we know each other well. And we had, we had worked, I wrote an episode of the Powerpuff Girls after she got hired on that. And, um, she had written some stuff on, on various things I had written for over the years. So we knew each other well and and we had improvised a lot. So we figured why not try and write something together and then Mm -hmm. pitch it to Cartoon Network. So we came up with this idea that, uh, we pitched as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meets Sex in the City. Those are two vastly different (laughs) IPs. Yes. Those are two flavors I would not put in the same bottle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, but much like chocolate and peanut butter, they went together great. Uh, so, yeah, we came up with this concept that was four sort of struggling models mm-hmm. uh, get lured to the tallest catwalk in the world and thrown off of it into a vat of radioactive furs, uh, <laughs> becoming sort of half animal, half supermodel mutant freaks. <laughs> Uh, and, and now they sort of begrudgingly fight crime while trying to figure out who did this to them and why. 
So that's that was sort of the concept that we went to Cartoon Network with. And we just really like the idea of these these hot ladies because uh, we're both, you know, comics fans and graphic novel fans. Sure. Uh, but they're they're obviously very male gazy. So we thought, what if we have someone that's supposed to be hot, but then you know, they have sort of hideous spider legs. Uh, so we wanted to break men's brains is what we're saying. We wanted them to be uncomfortable finding this hot and masturbating to it. Uh, <laughs> so we, we pitched it, we got sample artwork done and, and, you know, wrote up a treatment and <clears throat> sort of wrote up like a pitch Bible and pitched it to Cartoon Network and uh, they loved it, but they said this is too this is too adult for our adult <laughs> fair uh, because they were sort of looking, which we didn't know at the time, but they were looking more for Bob's Burgers, The Simpsons, and we were more sort of Archer, got it, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, so you know, yeah. they said they said, but pitch it to pitch it to Adult Swim. It would be it would be great for them. Uh, that that didn't end up working out, but we one of the places that we did pitch it to. They said, we love this as a show idea. Can you write it as a graphic novel first? And then we'll take it out and sort of say, hey, we have this IP. Like, oh, okay. do you want to buy this as a show? Okay. Uh, right. So we said, okay. Haley had written a couple of, of one-off issues for the Powerpuff Girls comics that were coming out at the same time that the oh, show sure. was. Yeah, that makes sense. But we'd never sat down to write a full-length you know, graphic novel, <laughs> and it was it took us a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a different beast than writing a TV show. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was something that you know we were very excited. They sort of gave gave us an advance, and we were we very excitedly were telling people like, oh my god, we we like sold a graphic novel. We haven't written it yet. And then I think it was two years later that we were finally like, remember that graphic novel that we told everyone we sold two years ago? Oh, well, no. you can almost buy it now. It'll be coming out next month. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I do remember. I remember a lot of that, uh, you know, because, again, that was a lot of that was during the, the Knowing Half Your Podcast era. So, yes. Yeah. 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 Once uh, once it became available, I was like, well, I, I mean, I like y'all's show, so I should support the things you guys are doing. And I Aww. like comics. Right. I, I used to own a comic <laughs> book store. So, yeah. Uh, you know, what's one other random graphic novel on the shelf? Like, even if it turns out to be absolute crap, like, well, I supported my friend, you know, people I like, whatever people <laughs> I'm fans of. And, and you know, it's, it's just one more random comic I have. And then it wasn't awful. So. Oh, thank you. That's the <laughs> <No>. nicest review. <laughs> wasn't awful yeah <laughs> no uh i i you know i i i got it i read it i enjoyed it right um uh-huh. uh it i i am clearly not the intended audience for this uh but i did think it was funny so you know thank you yeah. thank you about yeah, the second I page mean... when when the uh the character walks out with the porn magazine uh-huh yeah like i'm pretty sure not the intended audience but this is funny anyway yeah <laughs> yeah Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, like I said, we originally sort of intended it to be, to be a, a TV show that could air along the sides, alongside something like Archer or Rick and Morty or Venture right. Brothers. And, yeah, and I, those I, were so guy heavy at the time uh, that we thought like, oh, this would be perfect because Adult Swim doesn't have any, you know, sort of like female content for, for like fans of, of this, this style and this, this type of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Is that uh, still true? I don't. I haven't had cable in years, so I don't know. Uh, I I think it is still. I think it is still true. Oh, um, that's a shame. Yeah, I think as as evidenced by the fact that we could not get a meeting with them, despite the fact that we were in the same building they were in, uh, they don't tend to meet with female creators very much. Oh, that's so. true. Because this, this yeah. comic definitely has that Adult Swim feel to it. Yeah. Thank you. That was Thank one of the you. things I liked about it the most, especially just some of the random little characters. The uh, And I, I probably can't say this name right. Is it uh, – I keep wanting to say Michaela, and I know that's not – that's right, not right. I, oh, Mariska. I'm, Mariska, there we go. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I keep uh, going like it's not. It's not the right name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that character yeah. absolutely cracked me up through the thing. Just the whole like <laughs> Pikachu-looking thing with the Marilyn Monroe face, and just it just absolutely killed me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we had a different. We had sort of a different vision for the the art originally we've we wanted it to be a little bit edgier uh because we've gotten asked a lot like oh is this is would this be good for my kid like my 10 year old kid and we were like no "No, it would not (laughs) no Uh, but but you know we we you know we had approached sort of a lot of artists and we and we wanted a woman and, and sort of that was what we ended up with uh, uh, and you know, she did a great job. It just sort of wasn't how we had originally en- envisioned it. We wanted it to be a little bit in that edgier style. Uh, but, but yeah, we, you know, we, there's one character, she, she's half armadillo. So that's, that's <laughs> a little bit more than half to be fair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's, like three that's quarters. True. Yeah. That's it's, true. it's, uh, it's an, ar- it's a little like mutant armadillo person. That's with like Marilyn Monroe's face. With Marilyn Monroe's face. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one character who's who's half armadillo, one who's half spider. Uh, so she has spider legs and and can also shoot her boobs off at enemies uh, <laughs> instead of shooting webs. Uh, and and there's there's one who's sort of half you know like goat sheep sort of <laughs> sort of thing. And then there's one who's who's half goose, but only on the inside. So she just honks. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but no men realize it. They still think that she's the funniest, uh, right. the funniest, smartest right. woman they've ever yeah, met. She's still yeah. going on dates and just honking at people all the time. Yeah. And guys love it. Smiling, honking <laughs> and then laying an egg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she occasionally could lay an egg as well. <laughs> I, I loved when they, their their training sequence part that you see the rest of them like attacking the dummies, and then meanwhile she's wrapping one up in bondage. It's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they they eventually meet their sort of master splinter sensei, who is half toilet from from the waist <laughs> down. She was fused to a toilet, which is which comes in handy because she's a. a rampant alcoholic slash drug abuser so she frequently pukes in her own toilet <laughs> that's it's convenient it's like, just <laughs> I, just convenient it's one of those things where like I, the the questions are answered right there and i still have so many uh but it's fine it's fine it's it, it just no, works it's it's a lot of fun um and Thank it's all, you. It's, Thank all you. it's all just available right through amazon and stuff right yeah, I think pretty much anywhere anywhere there are still books in our, in our rapidly <laughs> crumbling Fahrenheit 451 society. No, that's fair. Uh, uh, you can get it on BarnesandNoble.com or Target.com. But but yeah, the the sort of you know loathe as I am to say it, the easiest is Amazon. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, uh, did you have any particular inspiration for the for? women in it did you have like specific people that you had for their personalities or for the looks or anything that you wanted to convey with them was there inspiration behind these or was it just kind of like 
uh, just a collection of different personality types from different friends and people you've known over the years? Or how did you come up with uh, inspiration for each of them? Yeah, it was sort of like a combination of of we we kind of were like, okay, so let's let's figure out who is who the four women are in Sex and the City and what their very basic character needs and wants are. Mm-hmm. Who okay. are the fo- who are the Ninja Turtles and what are their roles in in the Ninja Turtles? And then I'm also on an improv team with Haley called Slave Leia, and there are four of us. And so they all they all sort of have aspects of our of our personalities as well, mashed up with with you know the 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 leader is the Leonardo <laughs> slash the Carrie. Uh, she's she's frequently narrating her own book throughout the graphic novel, even though she's terrible at it. Uh, so she's sort of the Carrie slash the, the sort of the, the, the Leonardo that wants mm-hmm. to be kept on task. Uh, uh, you know, and then, and then we, we wrote down like, okay, this would be the, you know, the, the mechanics expert, the, this is the, the Donatello slash like this character from sex in the city. Uh, but yeah, some of the, some of the, you know, the filling in the, the shading of it is definitely based on the four women of my improv team, Slave Leia. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, well, do you have, have a follow-up project for the babe squad in mind or is there, has there been you know, anything going with the animation at all? You know, we're still we we got sort of an, an animator t- to do uh, a sort of new sample artwork. He he had worked on Rick and Morty, so so we we sort of hired him to do do some new concepts for us. Uh, but Haley and I both keep sort of uh, getting hired on shows to write for shows, and usually part of our contract is we can't really develop while we're on while we're writing on those shows. So we oh. haven't really been mm. able to develop it the way we want to and take it out and, and properly pitch it as a show. Uh, uh, because you know, I've, I've was just on a few shows for like three seasons in a row. And then, and then Haley is working on another and on an animated project right now on, on Netflix. And so we've been very fortunate to sort of since our cartoon network days consistently get writing jobs Mm-hmm. But it has meant, you know, this has sort of fallen. the The TV version of Babe Squad has fallen by the wayside. <laughs> All right. Um, but someday, someday you'll get the full mythology <laughs> behind Babe Squad, and it's a doozy, listeners. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I look forward to the follow-up comic at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I know a couple of the shows you you have worked on uh, since Babe Squad has come out. I know you were on the Murphy Brown reboot last year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the Murphy Brown reboot before that I was on, uh, a Disney, uh, live action show called bunked about kids at a summer camp and then got hired on the, the Murphy Brown reboot, which was just a season, just sort of 13 episodes. Yeah. And then I've been working on a new show on CBS called the unicorn, which just had its, uh, season finale, hopefully not series finale, but season finale last night. Yes. Uh, so now just waiting to find during, out. I may have watched that season finale during lunch today. Uh, oh, very cool. <laughs> just to make sure I was all caught up. Um, <laughs> in case I quizzed you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, uh, you know, again, supporting people who make things like supporting the things of the people that I like. Pretend that sentence made sense. Um, <laughs> there's people I like. It's they Friday. make things. I want to support them. It's Friday. It's been a long week. Um, <laughs> anyways, so I, I have I have watched all of uh, the unicorn 
And, oh, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- hey, listen, thank you for making a show that I don't have to lie to you and say, oh, no, I like this show. Because I actually do like the show. Uh, oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because, A, sitcoms aren't really happening so much anymore, I feel like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like, I remember, you know, as kids growing up in the 80s and 90s, like, it was sitcoms all the time. And then, yeah. like, Survivor happened, and suddenly, like, sitcoms didn't exist anymore, and it was a reality show and game show everything. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's probably still the same amount of sitcoms. It's just drowned out by everything else, I think. That could be. And I, I, there's more avenues now, so it might just be harder to find stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but having, you know, CBS just putting the unicorn up on CBS.com so you can just go watch it whenever. Like, that's yeah. super convenient. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I hope they I hope they also sort of start putting it on on, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all of those other things. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good, too. Um, but what's what I found interesting about the unicorn is it feels like the family sitcoms from when I was growing up, but it feels like it's more told from the parents point of view. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. Like, because I mean, you know, I grew up watching Full House and Family Matters and and mm-hmm. you know Cosby Show and all all those kind of shows, right? And uh, I, maybe not so much that last one I mentioned, but the other ones definitely felt <laughs> more like it was from the kids' point of view, right? Like, right. Right. You know, oh, Stephanie got in trouble. Oh, you know, Laura and Urkel are having this weird misadventure, and then the parents will, like, there are parent-centric stories in them, but it's mostly the parents step in to teach the kids a life lesson. Um, yeah, totally. Whereas the unicorn, I feel like, is more the parents and the kids are supporting cast. Yeah, yeah. And that was sort of a, that was like a discussion in the room. You know, anytime we sort of found ourselves writing too heavily into the kids' storylines, mm-hmm. you know, and also it, it sort of comes from just the actors that we have are so, so amazing. Like Rob Corddry and Michaela Watkins are both, are both amazing and, and, you know, yeah. half the people that I think tuned in originally were probably tuning in to see Walton Goggins in a in a in a like network sitcom comedy, right? <laughs> uh, and and then Omar Benson Miller and and Mylon Robinson, they're they're great. So I think, you know, I think the show, I think everyone sort of realized, everyone at the network and everyone in the writers' room thought, oh, this show works best when it's when it's the adults and then them interacting together. And sort of the kids' stories are are a side dish and not not the main thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think it works pretty well. And you know even thank you even when there are kid centric things, right? Like um, mm-hmm. you know Grace going to her first dance in the season finale. There, like it's mm-hmm. still like oh yeah, I remember what it was like. And obviously I wasn't a teenage girl, but I remember <laughs> what it was like to go to those first you know school dances and and you know. Out, out, like after school functions and stuff and uh-huh. yeah kind of that weird nervousness of like what what do I wear what how do I go what how do I act what what uh-huh. is what is growing up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah totally and I think you know my my bosses who who uh were the showrunners on third rock from the sun so they've they're super accomplished and Love have done a bunch of things <laughs> yeah uh, uh they they sort of pitched the unicorn as the idea that um, you know, Wade, who's, who's a widower, who's, it's been, it's been about a year since he lost his wife when, when the pilot starts, mm-hmm. he's sort of, 
getting back out into the dating scene just as his oldest daughter is getting into the dating scene. So it's, he's sort of, she's sort of reaching her first adolescence while he's sort of reaching his, his second, his, his, this whole new Mm -hmm. chapter in life. So they're, they're navigating it at the same time. Uh, uh, so that was sort of the concept that they, that they pitched to CBS originally. I think so. It's, it's, it's sort of, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's definitely there, but they definitely, yeah, there is definitely a, a lot more of Wade dating than the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, you know, she's supposed to be 14 on the show. So I, I think no one really wants to see a, yeah. a date of the week if for a 14 like, year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> College age, it might be a little bit different. Yeah. 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 But I think it is, you know, they're both because he's, uh, if any anyone watching the show sort of realizes he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, so he's not sort of that. this like sexy 40 something year old man that's, that's going out on dates. He is, he doesn't understand texting. He doesn't understand dating apps. He doesn't understand what women are hitting on him and what women aren't and the ones who are why they are. So he's very clueless. So so, you know, a 14 year old girl is sort of a good parallel to that. Uh, Yeah, I think I think they both sort of maybe thought they knew more than they did, Uh, (laughs) just like in, in real life. Uh, this this character sounds way too familiar to me, aside from the uh, 14-year-old <laughs> daughter aspect of this thing. I feel slightly violated right now. <laughs> Sorry. Way too real. Way too real. <laughs> uh, but the Unicorn did get picked up for a second season, right? It didn't. It got picked up for a back order, so a lot of people got confused and okay. thought that, oh, a pickup meant picked up for a second season. But CBS won't announce its – well – they, they were supposed to announce them before the upfronts, which were which are in mid-May. So usually they'll do it the week before. They'll say these are the shows that are getting picked up for another season. Okay. Uh, the upfronts just got canceled because of everything that's going on right now. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So so now we sort of don't know, and there's a lot of a lot of productions in Hollywood are are currently being shut down. So we're not sure yet if it'll. Yeah. Push mm. push back the announcement or or push up the announcement if they want to sort of solidify things. So mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. of right now, all I know is I don't have, have a job or know if I have a job until probably May. <laughs> oh boy! Wow. That. So back to uh, transcribing Doctor Phil then, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Back to transcribing and baby wrangling and chest teaching. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to the baby version of Robocop two. <laughs> oh, your follow up could be Baby Squad. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Everyone would be like, A, what the hell is this? B, what the hell is the original source material that it's based on? Because I've never heard of either of these. Oh, man. The theme song alone would be absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Just all the honking. (laughs) Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, All right, Gina. We really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, you have an incredibly fascinating backstory, and <laughs> just thank you. You're, you're a joy to to listen to an interview today, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing more of the Babe Squad stuff and and reading that. And I look forward now to watching the Unicorn because I need to go back and watch that now because apparently I've been being stalked. And <laughs> uh, yeah, just we really appreciate you being on the show today. It was really, yeah, thank really you a lot so of fun getting to talk to you today. Uh, Gina, yeah. where, if people want to look you up online, where can they find you? 
Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Gina Ippy. Uh, and that's also my Instagram is, is at Gina Ippy. Or maybe is my Instagram at Gina Ippy too. Find me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm at Gina Ippy and there's, there's links to babe squad and things that I've worked on and stuff like that, uh, in my pinned post. So Yeah. Excellent. All right. And then and how do they spell the Ippy at the, at the end of that, Gina Ippy? Oh, it's I-P-P-Y. So it's G-I-N-A-I-P-P-Y. All right. And then obviously they can listen to you pretty much every week on uh, Knowing Us Have the Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think we're sort of back on track now that I'm on hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, rest of the world's worried about coronavirus, but hey, we get more Knowing Us Have the Podcast. That's uh, true. That's true. They just had an episode where they talked to the voice actor Neil Ross. Who was the voice of Shipwreck uh-huh. on GI Joe, which was fantastic. And a couple week, a couple weeks ago, you guys talked to Christy Marks, uh, uh-huh. who's the was a writer on GI Joe and the creator of Gem and the Holograms. And uh, yeah. Josh, since you're a DC Comics guy, she also created Princess Amethyst of Gem World. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they're they're both fantastic. They're they're yeah. both great. And they just brought and that we... character back to DC too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, good for her. Yeah. The best part about interviewing her was we had her. We had her on the phone, and we could very clearly hear whiskey in a glass with ice that she was drinking, <laughs> and we loved it. I mean, it could have just as easily been iced tea, I guess, but we all very early on decided that she was drinking oh, yeah. whiskey while while talking to us. It's my kind of people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that's that's all the time we have for this week. Um, so yeah. You can find us at Atomic Monsoon on Twitter and Atomic underscore Monsoon on Instagram. Uh, find us on Atomic Monsoon on Facebook. Email us Atomic Monsoon at Gmail, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and check out our friends that did our music, the uh, Def M Records All-Stars. Um, in fact, the Saturn Three from Def M Records just released a new music video today. So Ooh. you can check out uh, all of Def M Records stuff everywhere and find links to that. Um, all right. So... Yeah. Well, in the meantime, thanks for being with us today, and we'll talk to everybody soon.